What if I told you the only way to break the rules is to know the rules first? That's a great piece of advice that I heard a teacher say when I was doing some volunteering at a school, a charter school here in Indy, and there were kids who were complaining about the rules, I don't know, probably grade school kids, third grade or younger, and the teacher said, before you can play by adult rules, before you can break the rules, you have to know the rules and know why they're there. And it was a great, from someone who I think was probably more liberal, <laughs> a good understanding of what Chesterton would argue as his, like, with Chesterton's fence, a good demonstration of that or iteration of that, as well as an argument for potential real reform, but in a way that makes sure that you know what you're reforming first or what you're turning away from first. And today, I want to talk about Rene Descartes' uh, meditations on first philosophy because I think this is a great example of someone who does just that. He knows the rules. He is a classically trained philosopher, theologian, everything. He was trained by the Jesuits. He knew what he was talking about and he knew what he was doing. But despite that, he was ready to throw the rules away and see in a sort of exercise what he could come up with. And that's the reason why we have the meditations on first philosophy. And so that's what we'll be discussing today. And before I do get too far into this, I want to remind you that you can check out my website at conversationforgeneration.com. Head there and at the top, you'll be able to subscribe to the podcast, check out the newsletter, Check out the blog as well, or you can subscribe as well. If you go to conversationforgeneration.com slash subscribe, you go there and you can get access to premium content, my courses, you get my book sent to you. And if you're in the United States, it'll be physical. I can also send the uh, PDF to people outside the United States if that's easier, especially around the world. Canada and Mexico, I might be able to get you the physical copy a little bit easier, but I know I've been promising this and I'm realizing after messaging someone that getting it to Canada is not as easy as I thought. So just calling that out. <laughs> and uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Just leave it a good rating and review. That helps out with boosting this up in the algorithm, getting more people seeing this. And if you're enjoying it, that really helps as well as on YouTube. Making sure you're subscribing and liking, commenting if you're interested in this content because I think it's Really great stuff, and if you think so too, I'd appreciate it if you just take that 10 seconds to add a little engagement and let the algorithm know that people out there are interested in this so that more people see it. And so with that, let's hop into the quote. And what Rene Descartes says here is, If you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt, as far as possible, all things. And this is what he does in Meditations on First Philosophy. It is not some radical departure from classical philosophy. It is, in a way, but it's not meant to be, we should throw everything else out. What it was, in his mind, is an exercise of how what can I know to be true that exist that I, that I guess I can know to be true beyond all doubt. What can I get to there first and then build upon that? And I think a lot of 
Christians or uh, other, I don't know, more classical uh, philosophers talk about this as if he is just trying to bear everything down. And I think a lot of Enlightenment people try to do this as well for their end to say all that really matters is the individual. It's where you get the, you know, I think, therefore I am. And sort of building up from because I think and I am, all I can ever trust is myself and so forth, so on and so forth. But one of the first things that he does after recognizing that he can't doubt his own thoughts is that he very quickly goes to proving God. And that is the first thing that he says outside of understanding myself. It's even actually more evident once I recognize who I am and that I am. I recognize that there has to be a God that's actually more real than me. And so he does a great job of that in this work. And I think that's definitely underplayed because I came into this thinking I was going to get some sort. And he is in the Enlightenment era and all of that in a way. But I thought I was going to get this Rousseauian sort of French Enlightenment type uh my will above all, like laying the groundwork for Nietzsche. And I don't think you get that. I think what you get is a humbling of the self in the presence of God saying, there's no way that I can be if there isn't a God. And he has a very interesting proof on God basically going from the uh, one of Aquinas's ways, and I can't remember which one it is now, but basically the idea that if there's good, if there's truth, there has to be a perfect of the things that we know are directional. And he talks about that. He talks about the mind as well as in like consciousness as a proof almost, or at least an evidence. And it's really interesting. I've, I have to reread his arguments there because they, first of all, are written in sort of a different way than we're used to reading and talking because first of all, it's translated from French first and foremost, so as an English speaker, that's tough. But then on top of that, because it's written, I don't know, several hundred years ago. I actually forget the exact date. I think it was written in the 1600s, mid-1600s. So he is sort of at this time where a lot of Europe is moving towards an understanding of the individual as a, as like what Jordan Peterson would say, is that locus of the logos, that like this is where our rights, our duties, all these flow from the fact that we are an individual made in the image and likeness of God and that we are relational beings. And so how do we balance our individuality with the relationality and society at large? And how do we counterbalance those two, that tension between those two things? And I think people want to make Descartes into this radical individualist that I thought got into existence sort of argument that that's what they think he's making. And it's not it's a very different one, and it's unique, and so I definitely recommend you read it, but the reason I want to talk about this today is because of that, what I opened up with, where I was discussing the knowing the rules to break the rules, and that's what he does well, is he studied for a long time. He studied many different things, and he didn't do this when he was 20. He didn't come right out in college and say, I want to doubt everything and build my own worldview. No, he studied the classics, he studied everything and said, there's something here that I find wanting and I want to know what I can build my whole worldview on. What can I tear away and say, I cannot doubt this thing or these things. 
and figure out what those things are and build back up from there so that I can sort of construct a worldview, but do it in a way that is <laughs> not just taking for granted what I'm taught, basically, making sure that he's checking this, his sources almost. And I think that that's an interesting exercise and that this is, again, not some throwing everything away in order of unaided reason. And the reason I, I want to talk about this also is, I, like I said, we want to be knowing when it's right to break the rules. And so there's different ways, I think, of breaking rules. And there's one way of not knowing the rules, right? You, If you don't know what the rule is and you break it, you're not really at fault, right? You're just ignorant of what it is. If you don't know the speed limit because the speed limit side got knocked over or you don't stop at an intersection because the stop sign was down and because someone knocked it out and they haven't replaced it, well, that's not your fault for breaking a rule that's supposed to be there because there's no sign telling you that the rule is in place, right? So that's a little bit different. But then there's also knowing the rules and breaking them anyway. You can do that because you don't care about the rules, right? You say, I know that this is a rule, but I don't care about the rules and I'm just going to break it anyways. You could say, I know this is a rule and I know it has its proper place, but I think in this instance, there's a, as much as it pains me, I'm justified in transgressing this rule in service of a greater good. And that's the case sometimes, right? If you're, again, to the speed limit or a stop sign, if there is a medical emergency and there's no way that you're going to harm anybody, right? There's no one else on the road. You can speed in order to save a life, right? You can go through a stop sign in order to save a life. I think most people would agree with that. You don't have to come to a stop and look both ways when someone's bleeding out in your passenger seat, right? That's not the case. I mean, ambulances don't have to. So there's obviously a legitimate function there, but it's you have to be careful about it too still because there is the possibility of creating other damage, but and you have to break those rules carefully, but you can have a cause for certain rules. There's certain rules that you can't, right? Killing an innocent human being is something that is always wrong, no matter what. And so you can't transgress that rule. There's no higher thing that you can say, I'm ordering this towards a greater good. Otherwise, you undermine all rules. And then there's also breaking the rules in play or in an exercise, but still abiding by them in a way. And so that's what I think Descartes is doing here. He's saying, I know the rules. I'm not trying to break the rules, but I'm trying to see in this experiment what it would be to break the rules, right? One of the biggest challenges facing our culture today is the porn problem. And that's why I'm proud to be working with Covenant Eyes to help nip this problem in the bud. So if you struggle with porn or if you want to protect your family from this issue, Covenant Eyes can help. Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that helps you create good habits when you're using your computer or other devices that are connected to the internet. And so you can have this plan for yourself, for your whole family, and using my promo code of CONVO when you go there, C-O-N-V-O, you will get your first 30 days free. So head on over to CovenantEyes.com and use the promo code CONVO, C-O-N-V-O, to get your first 30 days free. That way you can start living a porn-free life for you and for your family. Now back to the conversation. In the military or in sports, you can have times where you have to maybe 
practice what it would be to go outside the bounds of the rules, but you're not actually doing it, right? In a military exercise, you're saying, what if, you know, someone nuked America and what would the military exercise be, right? How would we have to respond? You may have to go outside the traditional uh, rules of war in order to address something that is way outside the bounds as well. And so you kind of have to foresee some of these things and plan around it. And I think even jokes, for instance, right? You, I wouldn't say something mean to somebody, but you might make a joke that if I didn't know who you were and you thought I was being earnest would be offensive, but I kind of push a rule or a bound a little bit and you just play with the edges of what the rules allow and kind of stare over the precipice of the cliff there and say, hmm, you know, stick your foot out, but you don't jump off. That's kind of what I see Descartes doing here. And he's able to do it because he's so well-trained. He knows the rules so well. He knows the intellectual history of the West so well. He's able to play with those bounds. The people today who are in our critical theory camp do not. They, most of them, I would argue, are completely ignorant of where our civilization comes from. The thought, the history, the trials and tribulations that we overcame to get to this point, and they're ready to throw all of that away in service of what they think is right. And that, to me, is not what Descartes did. And that's a lot of times, I think, how it's portrayed. And I want to just call it out that that's not the case. But he does do a little bit of what artists do, where they say, I think this is a good example of Shakespeare will write an iambic pentameter, and then all of a sudden you'll have this break in the flow of how he's writing. You're going along, and then all of a sudden there's this person who has this kind of long, flowing thing that looks more like normal prose, and it kind of breaks you out of the monotony. It actually works into this rigid structure that he's using to break that rigid structure and change up the pace a little bit of the play, of your reading, whatever that is, of the speech patterns that are there, right? It's like if I'm doing this podcast and all of a sudden I started speaking in rhythm and rhyme, you would think, oh, this is different. He's changing things up. I'm messing with the podcast format for some sort of emphasis, for some sort of just maybe catching your attention and checking to make sure you're paying attention, right? <laughs> but there's a way that you kind of break that rule in order to shed light on the rules as such. And I think that that's a little bit of what Descartes does. So if you want to read a fantastic book, I recommend you check it out, The Meditations on First Philosophy. There's links in the show notes to the book to Books A Million, as well as Amazon, if you want to buy it there. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to find it on Books A Million, but if I can't, some of them are not on there, especially older books. I feel like they have a lot more popular stuff, but I've noticed that some of the older writings are not on there. And so I will have a link in the show notes wherever I can find that. And if you are looking for good reading, anything like that, check out conversationofourgeneration.com slash library. It's categorized if you're looking for philosophy, economics, politics, you can go through there and just scroll through and there's little summaries and it links back to each of the book reviews as well as where you can buy the book. So definitely check that out as well. And buying the book through my links really helps support me in an easy, painless, free way if you're going to buy the book already. Just clicking through that link helps me out 
uh, tremendously by just, it's not a lot and it doesn't hurt you any, it doesn't change the price you pay, but what it does is it makes Amazon pay me a little bit of what you would buy anyways. So if you want to take money out of Amazon's pocket and put it into mine, that's the way to do it. And also, if you want to support the work I'm doing here, you can go to conversationofourgeneration.com slash subscribe. And by doing that, you and by subscribing there, you're going to get access to any premium content, including my courses. You'll get my book. You'll get access to the Discord community, as well as other opportunities going forward. I'm looking at potentially doing Zoom hangouts or happy hours or something. I'm not quite sure. I want to make sure that there's a few people that are interested, so I'm going to test it out in the Discord and see if there's interest there for people to hop on and have some chats there. But if you want to talk to some of the guests, I don't make the guests join the Discord, but I do invite all of the guests who've been on the podcast. A number of them are in there. I saw Michael Sharon just joined recently. Uh, John Tomeas from Fallen Modernity, or Modernity Has Fallen, rather. I'm saying his Twitter handle instead. From Modernity Has Fallen is in there. Steven Sloyer from Vital Masculinity and more. So definitely check that out. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the conversation of our generation. Let's get the dialogue going. I'll talk to you next time.